Welcome to See the World Differently. Come explore and discover the world around you. Hello, and welcome to this edition of See the World Differently with Oceanscape Yachts. I'm your host, Rebecca Taylor, and today I was joined by Heather Brewer and Paul Botema. They are the couple behind Working Remotely. Um, they uh, basically shared their story of how they came to work remotely during the pandemic. Um, they took their boat basically um, from Florida all the way um, back home to their hometown in Seattle uh, with some stops along the way, obviously. Um, it was really interesting to chat with them about how this all came to be, their story of how they met. Um, they had another boat that they did this briefly on before upgrading to the next one and really um, pushing the limits um, of themselves and just what was possible when you're working full time uh, remotely as they did. So I really enjoyed this chat, both for um, just meeting two really interesting and fantastic individuals, but also for making you question, you know, what's next and what's around the corner and and how can I really take life and live it how I want to live it um, while still, you know, working full time and and managing life. You know, you're not you're not logging off from life completely. You're just doing it on your own terms. So I really loved this chat with both Heather and Paul. I thank them for their time. I know they were flying in and out. Uh, when we got to sit down and have this chat. So I hope you enjoy it. If you aren't following them already on Instagram, I'm going to hyperlink it in the show notes, but it's at working remotely on Instagram. And um, you'll see lots of fantastic footage of their trip and um, the wildlife they got to get up close and personal with and learn more a little bit about the route. And they've made sure to say, you know, if you're looking at doing something similar, or maybe there's a location that they visited that, you know, you've always wanted to go to, they are very open um, to you shooting them a message and just having a chat and they are so happy to get involved and, and share a little bit about their trip and their insights. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, if you don't already follow the podcast, please do. And while you're there, why don't you also give Working Remotely a follow as well? Thanks so much. Hey, good morning. So today we're here with Paul and Heather. Um, they might be better known to you if you follow them on Instagram as Working Remotely. Um, given the name, that seems very aligned with our podcast show. So I'm really excited to have you both on the show today. Uh, right before we hit record, you were telling me that you're flying in from somewhere and flying back out. So we really, really appreciate you guys being here today. Thank you so much. We are just on cloud nine with our experience and uh, there's definitely been ups and downs and all arounds, but uh, thank you for having us. We're, we're super excited. Great. And can you share a little bit? So I found you on Instagram, so I had a little bit idea about your story. And then once we started emailing and you sent some other links to me, it's actually so much cooler than I first thought. I mean, it's already amazing that you spent all this time during the pandemic working remotely. Excellent. Nice social distancing. But you also met quite quickly before taking off on this journey. So I feel like we could do a couple hours on that alone. <laughs> but can you just share a little bit of how you two met and what drew you both to decide to spend all of this time, you know, the past two years, like you said, you've either been on or off the boat or working remotely this whole time. So how did you meet and what led you to to start this new life challenge? Thanks, Rebecca. Yes, it has been quite a journey. Uh, both Paul and I are uh, working professionals. I work at PwC and he works at Amazon and, and through our career personally and professionally, we're both avid world travelers. He will probably tell later, but he's been to almost a hundred countries and I've been to almost 80 and we're both big risk takers. Um, we went online and had our first online date on Bumble. I had no idea what he was all about, but on his profile, he said he had been to 91 countries thought, wow, this guy's in Seattle. And so 
what happened was uh, we were supposed to have our first date on March 2nd, 2020. And it was my uh, second online date. And basically he disappeared from my search. And I was like, why would he not want to go on our date? And my friends were like, you know, he totally like erased you. And I was like, why? So honestly, I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but for the first time ever, I knew his name was Paul. He went to Oxford and he was 52 and that's all I knew. And I put it into LinkedIn and found out that he worked at Amazon <laughs> and I sent him a LinkedIn message. Uh, it's limited by 250 characters. And I basically said, Hey Paul, it's Heather from Bumble. I was looking forward to meeting you. I, you know, I don't know if you unmatched me, but I don't know why you would. And, uh, he wrote right back and said, I don't know what happened. And we had our first date on March 2nd, 2020, the okay. week before the pandemic hit. <laughs> You'll never forget the date, I'm sure. <laughs> That's amazing. And then I think, Paul, you had a little bit of background in like yachting and, and sailing and things like that, right? So was it you that sort of said, you know what, I've been planning to do this and the pandemic's kind of... Yeah, so um, I grew up um, in uh, Michigan, uh, so kind of by Chicago and came from a big boating family. And uh, we had sailboats growing up. And when I was eight years old, my parents took me and four of my siblings. I'm the last of nine kids. Wow. Uh, but we sailed from Michigan all the way through the Great Lakes and down the Erie Barge Canal to New York City and then down the whole east coast of the U.S. to the Bahamas. But that whole trip uh, only took about six months. And one of my sisters kind of homeschooled right. me. Um, and since then, although I did a lot of boating with my family, but it was more like water skiing and things like that, I never had a boat of my own. And in September 2019, just before Heather and I met, I had bought a small 31-foot uh, Sea Ray uh, here in Seattle. And it was on um, a freshwater lake called Lake Union. And so our first two dates were going out on the Sea Ray and we got, I think, fish and chips one night and sushi <laughs> another night. And then uh, after COVID hit- uh, March 9th. Yeah, there's a, there's a long story here, uh, which doesn't deal a lot with working remotely, but we had a quick foray through Central America, like seven countries in five days or something like that, yeah. before we got locked in a hotel in Cartagena, Colombia with a guard at the front door and we couldn't leave. Yeah. Um, I'll just comment on that really quick. Uh, it was our third date and we met at the airport with a one-way ticket to Guatemala. Okay. And I told two people about their trip and they thought I was absolutely crazy. I knew what firm he worked for and we had some professional uh, folks in common. Okay. Uh, and uh, okay. so- <laughs> That's fine like, then. <laughs> so, this guy, so this guy, it's like the movie Tindler Swindler that's out right now. Yeah. I, I, I texted him or I Venmoed him uh, you know, $1,500. <laughs> so anyway, so we, we came back and kind of as a joke, we went out to Paul's bow on the sea ray overnight. We had a little hot spot and we went, uh, we thought, well, let's just go overnight to this little town. It's about five hours away. And it's a teeny tiny little cabin. And we brought our dog now our dog and uh, hardly any room at all. There's like one burner, a bed and a very tiny little table. And then upstairs was not enclosed, but we both started working and off this hotspot and both of our companies, I'm in management consulting and he's at Amazon both said, you cannot come into the office at all. This was about mid March. 
Right. And so we decided why not work from the boat? And so we had a little hot spot and we started working from the boat and that led to five months, if you can believe it, the start of working remotely in a sea ray. We would put tapestries all around the top so one of us could work upstairs and, and have some shade and Paul would work downstairs. And we went all around the San Juan Islands, uh, which are right between uh, Seattle and Vancouver, beautiful islands for five months. And I'll just kind of stop there, but that's how it really started. And we're like, wow, this really works. And the pandemic kept getting pushed out, pushed out, pushed out. So this is kind of when we started thinking about a bigger boat. Okay. And then that's when you, so you researched, you found the one you wanted. And when it, you found out it was, it was in Florida, correct? Or on the East coast. And then you yeah. thought, let's make this a longer journey back. Is that how it sort of came to fruition or? Um Pretty much. I was uh, looking, you know, as you tend to look at larger boats, uh, yeah. as one does. Uh, so as we were out on the boat for those five months, I would just look online at different websites. And, <laughs> and, and there just wasn't very much of an inventory because of COVID. Uh, mm -hmm. Boats were pretty rare and they went very, very quickly. And so late November, early December, this uh, Nordhaven came up and, and we were looking specifically at long range ocean trawlers like a Nordhaven or a Celine or even Ocean Alexander or Fleming. And this uh, Nordhaven came up in Florida. And I had kind of toyed with the idea with the East Coast because uh, there were a lot more that were coming up for sale there than there were in the West Coast or up in Seattle. Right. And so uh, I showed it to Heather and, and Heather challenged me and said, you know, if that's the boat you want, why don't you just buy it? And so <laughs> Uh, anything to get you to stop searching, I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> and he did. And so uh, that night, um, I called uh, the broker and we put in a full price offer and um, yeah, and uh, bought the boat. And I flew down sight to unseen. Florida, uh, sight wow. unseen, and did the inspection. And it turned out great. It was in fantastic shape, thankfully. Um, and so we flew from Seattle to Florida on Christmas Day. 2020. And, um, and then we spent about six weeks upgrading the boat and, uh, we left Florida uh, in February, 2020 thinking we only had like four months. Right. We thought when we left that we needed to be back in Seattle by July, uh, to be back at work. And as COVID kept getting extended, we then, uh, extended our trip. You know, we never ever expected that it would have been extended for, uh, you know, almost two years. Right. So did you, set off and then as things dragged out longer and longer as we all know did you then say okay you know what why are we rushing you know through panama let's stay longer was that kind of how it went or did you end up doing the bulk of your journey and then because i know you're up here in canada for a while on the west coast like and could you just give a very i know it's it's asking a lot but just a brief overview of how you actually went for those who haven't checked out your journey yet so you left from florida just so they can paint a bit of a picture yep. so Rebecca, I'm going to just give a quick side note. So we really didn't know about yachting okay. and we definitely don't want to pretend like we did. Right. And so we got a captain and frankly, we didn't even know that that was even an option. Okay. <laughs> so we, uh, we set out with our captain and our thought was to get our captain's license and learn while we were going. So our dog, uh, Paul and I, and our first captain set out 
And so in the beginning, it was also table stakes because both of us were working full time. So even with long range uh, cruising, we really needed a captain and a third person to be able to take turns uh, driving and, and doing different things on the boat. Mm -hmm. So we started out towards the, the Bahamas. And then, uh, as Paul said, we thought that we had to be back. So because of COVID, a lot of countries, unfortunately, were closed. But it was a huge, like every single stop, even within the same country, we had to go through COVID protocol. Mm -hmm. So we really just kind of learned along the way. We went uh, 1,000 miles from the Bahamas to Panama. And that was when, after we went through the canal, which was just an incredible experience, that's when we realized it was going to get pushed out another year. Okay. And so we actually changed captains at that point and then went on for the next year and ultimately another year and a half on the boat. Wow. wow. Really made like lemonade out of lemons <laughs> with, with COVID. Just, and you know what? You're right. Cause things change so quickly. So even if you were, you know, looking, you were doing your charts and you're like, okay, well, we're going to be in this country in two days by then they could have been shut. So you had to really think on your feet and just be willing to go with the flow, which you're both high risk people, like you say. So that probably wasn't too bad for you. I'm guessing, was it like kind of living by the seat well, of your pants a little? <laughs> it, both of us are big, I guess we're risk takers, but I'd say that we were calculated risk, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we, we protected the downside. We had a captain, we had insurance. Um, we both were working. Uh, we can't just afford this without working. And we learned along the way. And that was probably one of the big highlights. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's one of the things that, uh, as we've talked to other people about this, whether it's in port or different interviews like this, I think that's one of the things that's resonated. We're not retired. We're mm -hmm. working full time in professional jobs. We're not trust fund kids. And so, um, you know, we're, we're making do with this and, and we, every single day, uh, we, our plans changed. Right. Uh, we kind of hand wrote out two or three months worth of high level, um, plans of where we would like to be. And then invariably those would change, uh, significantly. We just made the most of it and we would try to do kind of adventures, whether it was scuba diving or fishing or uh, sightseeing inland um, as we had to roll with things. And so we were able to do that. And, and we ended up spending most of last year in the Sea of Cortez in Mexico and just had an absolutely incredible time. In, they call it the aquarium of the world. And it really is true. It's just an incredible place to be. Uh, Rebecca, I'll just add on that too. Um, you mentioned, you know, how we went about planning it and, um, you know, we're not naive and we're smart people, but we really did not plan at all where we were going. Um, we, with the captain learned to respect the weather right. and we had the books on the different regions and countries and where to go. And literally based on our meetings on the day or based on weather, we would figure out where we would go. And by high level planning, we mean like, okay, we're in Panama, we're gonna go to the Pearl Islands for maybe a couple months and then we're gonna end up in Costa Rica on this maybe date. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people, we see people all the time going down and checking out marinas and where should we go, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we, we had an excellent time and no issues at all in following the book and following the weather and playing every day by ear. Yeah. which was hard for us. <laughs> well, it's actually 
I don't know if you could have done it many, you know, without getting frustrated because COVID was, there were so many unknowns. So it's not like a normal time to do that where, you know, you had the luxury to be able to, even if you wanted to, you know, to visit certain places and, and plan things out. So I think other people, you're right, probably wouldn't have been able to roll with it um, in a similar way, but it's actually, you you touched on something too, because, you know, you were working full time. Um, I loved it because I think you posted on LinkedIn or something like, yes, we spent more on like comms than on fuel or something, which many people will be blown away by. <laughs> so how did you find that? Like living and working full time, like on, you know, you're in close quarters and you're sometimes up to the, whether your Wi-Fi spot, like your hotspot is very good or not. Like, did it work better or worse than you thought it was going to, I guess? Um, worse. Uh, <laughs> Horrible. Uh, communications yeah. turned out to be the absolute number one challenge of this entire nightmare. Okay. And, uh, in Florida, we um, we focused in on communications and we installed a dual wave uh, PEP link router uh, cellular system. So we had two SIM cards that we could go up to four SIM cards with the, the uh, cellular system. And then we also installed KVH satellite system, a VSAT 7 satellite system. And so we had multiple layers of, of communications redundancy. We would start out with phones and hotspot off those. And once we got far enough offshore, then we would um, fall over to the, the cellular system. And then uh, after that went out of range, then we would go to satellite. And satellite worked fantastically well, but it was fantastically expensive. And so. <laughs> We, um, we did, we ended up spending about five times as much on communications as we did on fuel, um, over the course of those 18 months or so we did. However, once we got back to Seattle in May, we just upgraded to, uh, Starlink, uh, Elon Musk Starlink system. And that is just, uh, that is absolutely revolutionary. And so we're getting literally 20 times the speed at one thirtieth of the cost, one hundred and thirty-five dollars American dollars a month, as compared to three or four thousand. Oh my gosh! Okay, so you're ready for the next eighteen-month journey now. That's exactly. That's it. exactly. <laughs> so I think that you know, I, in talking with some, I was actually talking with an, an economist from uh, University of Washington. He's like, "Well, you just paid the pioneer tax." <laughs> and so you know, I think we did to some extent in terms of. Uh, working remotely through the uh, pandemic, uh, you know, I think we, we did. We, we recognized we paid a tax to do that. Right. But had we not done that, that was table stakes. It was either do that and go or not go. And, and we would have done, made that same decision to go. Right. And hindsight's twenty twenty. You only know <coughs> what you know until you know better. So now yeah. you've yeah. discovered this. And I think it's fantastic too, because, you know, before the pandemic, even we were on the cusp of seeing that real change of, you know, we all say millennials, you know, whatever we want to call like the next generation that's coming up, they all want a better work-life balance. You know, even us, you know, our parents were probably, you know, 35, 40 years in a company, then you retire. And then that's when you travel, like people don't want to live like that anymore. So I think your story is really going to resonate with people who are looking to do something similar and see, like you say, we didn't have to quit our jobs for a year to do this. There was a way to do both. And now more and more companies are obviously more flexible anyway, with, with working from home or, you know, wherever you are in the world, as long as you have a signal and you can log in, that's fantastic. So having done that and now, 
you didn't, it wasn't too long ago you've returned. Like, are you finding your having itchy feet? Like, are you both going back into an office now or are you still working from home? Like what's next? How do you transition um, from that to, to real life? Quote unquote. Uh, really quick. There's one big point that, so we talked about the working professionally, right? Mm-hmm. So we had to have two simultaneous zoom call capabilities um, in case we both needed to be on lines. Right? right. And our captain that we switched out, um, he was amazing and really became like a brother to us, but we're on a 43 foot boat. Okay. Three people, a dog. Yeah. We're both working and driving and eating. And it was very close quarters. And don't forget that Paul and I had just met. Right. And as a side note, since we met on March 2nd, we've been within probably 10 feet of each other unless we were doing some sort of an excursion. Right. <laughs> and then one and of you was so, at the front of the bus and the other was at the back or something. <laughs> yeah. And so I think what's really important, um, obviously we we did learn along the way and now we are capable and uh, to do our own boat and it's, it's fabulous and the learning has been incredible. Um, but really what is interesting is that everyone says, apart from the working remotely is, oh my gosh, like I would never be able to be with someone for like two years in that close quarters, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very close quarters. I mean, there's really not a lot of privacy. No. Um, and so what's interesting is we just said, we need to be open, honest, and direct. So we went through um, you know, physical issues. Paul almost cut off his fingers for the first time he used a drone. Um, you know, I fell down in the middle of the ocean going to Panama and cut my head. Um, there were waves when either, well, any of us were on, you know, um, on watch and there were potential hurricanes. Like we all went through like this very, um, emotional, professional, you know, fear, elation, amazingness. We went through um, all of these together and that was huge. Not one time did any of the three of us like disrespect one of another, one of another and really listened and learned and knowing that everything came from a good place. And honestly, in those two years, we really didn't have one between the three of us issue. And that is probably one of the biggest things because Paul and I worked together and the captain on, you know, where are we going to work? And it was, it was really a pain in the neck because you have to basically set up somewhere and then pack it up, set it up, pack Mm -hmm. it up. A storm comes through and you have to just get off a call. Um, You know, you go to a Marina that says they have Wi-Fi. Well, I can tell you out of the probably 150 Marinas we've been to, no one has had good Wi-Fi. So that day-to-day, both professionally and personally, that that kind of cohesive group and respect and being open and honest, direct, you know, confronting your fears, talking about it, any issue, that was really, we think, the key to be able to do this successfully was that respect and concern and love for all three of us on the boat. Right. Yeah. If you changed any one of those scenarios or you know, type archetype that was on the boat with you or just different personalities. It could have been very different. And you're right. It's high stress, good stress, bad stress. It's high all the time. There is no real break. Even I'm sure once you got to land, you know, then you're provisioning and you're trying to get on maybe the Wi-Fi that they promised you. So I can imagine, um, yeah, if certain things didn't line up the way they did, it could have been a very different trip. So it's just fantastic that 
not only did it work out, you're obviously still together on land. So that's also a very good <laughs> indicator that things went well and you're still planning more trips, right? Like you just said, you're on your way back out somewhere. Do you think you will do another long distance at sea like this again? Anytime soon, yeah. I should say, because I'm sure there's always a what if one day. Uh, we, we would love to. I, you, your earlier question was, you know, kind of what now? And mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're uh, facing. So we are back in Seattle. Um, we both do have to be back at work a couple of days a week. And, and the companies that we work for are trying to figure this out, as are we. Mm -hmm. um, but that's starting up literally uh, this week. And so but it's, it's kind of caused a, an existential uh, question about, you know, is that something that we really want to continue to do long term or when would we like to go and do this again? Uh, because we certainly would love to do it again. Mm -hmm. But between finances and between homes and, and families and everything like that, that's all uh, issues that we're trying to to work through to answer that question. And so we're planning on doing that over the course of this winter and and uh, come up with a, a longer term game plan, you know, probably next year. Yeah. Well, just to add on to that, um, it, it will be probably over the next year or two, thinking about um, getting a bigger boat that we could go more long term. Paul's actually rented out his house and is living full time on the boat right now. So who would have known? Okay. I ultimately like to get a little bit bigger boat. Right. And uh, again, would you go cross ocean? Is that what you're thinking? Like something exactly, and yeah. head back down to the uh, Caribbean, spend a little bit more time there, and then Heather and I both lived uh, in Europe. Uh, she in Spain and London, myself in London and Belgium several times, and and we just love uh, Europe. <clears throat> and so we'd like to go back and spend some time, uh, you know, maybe years in the Mediterranean. And I think before COVID. Uh, when you thought about working remotely, you you ultimately thought, at least I did, that you would have to earn a lot less. And now maybe that's not the case. Maybe that's one of the outcomes of COVID is that remote work can be done viably, you know, at um, at higher levels than what we used to imagine. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that, you know, that we contemplate as well. Um, and that's something that I think has changed as a result mm -hmm. of COVID. Yeah. One other thing that, that is very important to us, uh, we, we both are world adventurers and explorers. We work hard. We love culture and people. And when you're on the boat, you literally like close your computer and you're in a new country, new culture, and you have immediate access to doing the things that you love on the water or on land or, or just enjoying a nice sunset um, or sunrise for that matter. But one of the things that is just so clear is that we want to do this when we're you know i'm i just turned 50 <laughs> paul's 54 and although we feel much younger <laughs> and boating's a lot of work right it's very yes. physical and it doesn't matter how good of shape you're in it is physical and things do happen and you have to go in small spaces and you know anyway there's a lot of physical you know repairs every day there's lot of activity both on the boat off the boat and just coordinating and traveling and you know unfortunately we both know people that have unexpectedly passed away before retirement or right after retirement and so this is something that we don't want to wait for right. we want to do this when we're young and we want to do this 
while we're able and try and incorporate. Paul had a good point. Um, the other day we were talking, he's like, why, you know, Americans a lot of times live to work and a lot of other people, you know, work to live. Mm -hmm. And why do we have to say that going on a boat with connectivity means that we have to be anything less than still living our dream, right? Like, why yeah. do we have to come back to a box, a mm -hmm. box in my condo, a box in both of our skyscraper offices? You know, why can't we live life in our way that we want to and work? It's true. And do you think though, that's, it, it definitely is changing. Like you mentioned with COVID, I think it used to be that. And a lot of times it was just how the company ethos was wherever you work you know, they like to see you in the office. And then when they don't see you and, you know, just freelancing or whatever it was, you know, they didn't like the less of control. And now they realize everyone's worked from home. They work from home, putting kids through school, you know, for two years of COVID. So as long as you're not doing that, you're probably pretty switched on and able. Why should it matter? Like you say, where, whether I'm logging in from my home when we couldn't go into the office or your boat, wherever you are in the world, shouldn't really matter. So hopefully that is something that is changing and people also the reaction to you saying it changes. Cause I'm sure you got a lot of the time, maybe I'm wrong, but I would assume a lot of people would question, you know, like, Oh cool. You're diving in the morning and then you're at work. Like, how is that really? And most of it's probably pure jealousy, <laughs> but I assume it was mostly the being confronted with people assuming you probably couldn't do your job as well or work as hard or something like that, just because you're in a beautiful setting, which is completely erroneous. Absolutely true. And, and we didn't, we didn't, um, really publicize very much to people that we worked with. Uh, mm -hmm. We had the working remotely, but we didn't really publish that uh, until we went on LinkedIn, just really since we got back to um, Seattle. Um, since then, it's been positive, but it's kind of ex ante looking backwards, you know, at, at having done it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't agree. But, hmm. We, we had working remotely Instagram going the entire time. I told my company flat out I was on a boat. Um, I ended up quitting my job about five months in because it was um, just so much work to work. And I'm bilingual in Spanish, so I was always assigned like <laughs> all of the customs and, and figuring out where we're going to go and right. all of that. You had to be on quite a bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And then I actually started a new job with uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC. And I had about 21 interviews on the boat, meaning like virtually. Mm -hmm. And even someone interviewed me on port when we were in port in Puerto Vallarta. He happened to be there. So in my wow. world, I was completely <laughs> open. And 1,000%, yeah. there's judgment um, in every way. Right. And that's the thing. Like, I don't have kids. Paul's kids are grown. And um, we're both in a position where we could literally shut the door and go. And we recognize that not a lot of people maybe can do that, mm -hmm. but we could. And so we decided to do that. Yeah. And like you say, you both still managed to do your jobs as well as if you were sitting at your house in your box that we're trying to break away from that norm. So I'm hoping, um, and accounts like yours, that's what I was saying at the beginning. You know, I feel like there was this real trend to go towards that. And now that people see that it's possible, um, I think it's only a matter of time before companies are more flexible and 
and open to that. And, you know, whether you're in the med for a year, if you're still working remotely, you know, remotely um, a la France, then that that's fantastic. Um, and, and we'd love to watch it um, happen for you guys. So that's why I ask, and I'm sure everyone asks, it's like, anyone, when you come back from a big trip, you know, it's like, what's the next plan? And you're already thinking it. So we don't mean to pile on because yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're, you're thinking about it every time you close your eyes. So, um, but it's just great to be kind of thinking about what the new norm is going to look like. Even I think the New York times a day or two ago did a whole cover story about, you know, what's the new working, uh, mm. going to be like. And, and I think companies, large companies, uh, were, professionals worked from home, uh, I think they're trying to figure out what this is going to look like. And we are both going back for a couple of days a week, but it's not going to be five days a week. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, we'll see how that lasts. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, something that people globally are probably struggling with yeah. if they work for a company. Yeah. Pondering. And you mentioned, you know, obviously the, the key element to all this travel too is um, getting up close and personal with those cultures. And, you know, I grew up telling as well, you are very much right there. You have to be, like you said, you got to talk to customs to get in, you got paperwork to sign. Like it's a lot more than if you just fly into somewhere and, you know, take the coach to your resort, whatever you're doing. Do you have any tips for people um, to get the most out of their travel experience? I'm sure it helps that you, you were bilingual. You know, it's great when you can try, at least try to speak the language. Um but even someone who is trying, we're seeing more and more people, even, you know, that come to us to, to book a yachting holiday, they don't want to just fly in and out. They want to spend time, you know, or anchor off in the middle of nowhere. They want to spend time getting to know some of the cultures or make some stops at like off the beaten tracks that only boats can get to, which is a nice mm -hmm. perk for mm -hmm. people who aren't stuck on land. So what could you, advice could you give these people that are looking to take, like wring that vacation dry, you know, like we work to live and not, you know live to work, like you said, sorry. Um, so holiday is still very precious to most people. They don't, I know I'm in the States, I'm in Canada, but we're a little bit similar in that way. You know, holiday is kind of limited your vacation time. So how can we make the most of it when you're somewhere new? So the, the boat was in itself a whole experience, right? Mm -hmm. And having a captain, this is just kind of getting back to, um, circling back to the question you just asked, but we got comfortable with the boat, right? I mean, we felt a thousand percent comfortable. That being said, breaks down, countries close, there's no provisioning, right? Right. And the key to our trip was really flexibility. And we embraced cultures no matter where we went. A lot of people in the beginning were like, Oh my gosh, are you going to be safe? Are you afraid of pirates? Are you going to bring something to protect yourself? Oh my gosh, this is so scary. And honestly, we had zero issues. You know, granted, we're smart, we're world travelers, right? Mm -hmm. But we embrace local cultures. One uh, experience I'll highlight is you know, having faith in the local people, right? They want you to be successful in their countries. They want you to have a good time. You know, mm -hmm. tourism is huge. And during COVID, they didn't have it, right? Right. But after the Baja Bash coming up uh, the west coast of the of Mex of the of Baja, we were overnight, and I started smelling diesel when I was on watch in the middle of the night. Mm. And so I woke up Paul and our captain and I'm like, Hey, something's not right. And it turns out we had broken or two 
uh, fuel injector lines had bust and diesel was steaming all over our engine room. And we were nowhere near any city or, or, or port. And the three of us are very calm together, <laughs> like, like ridiculously calm. <laughs> In this moment. Yes, that's yeah. fantastic. And so we kind of jimmied with taking, uh, in order to cover the holes in the injector lines, we took tinfoil and then wrapped silicon uh, ice tray. We cut apart to put around and then tied it with zip ties, <laughs> kind of MacGyvered the, the right. hole. And the next kind of town we went to, it wasn't even a town. It was just a fisherman's kind of beach with a couple small little shacks. And we took our tender in and um, I actually asked a fisherman if they knew of anyone that could come look at our boat. And he didn't know, but he had a friend and the friend had a ponga and he was a fisherman. And of course I'm speaking Spanish, but, um, I said, Hey, you know, we have this issue. Do you have any ideas of where we could get these parts? And he said he had no idea where we could get him, but a friend of his had a John Deere tractor Okay. and he could go get the part for us. Wow. And basically he saved us. Um, he, took us in, he, Paul and I, or um, the captain and I, JC, we went and met his family. Um, they were so nice. And by the time we were trying to get back to the boat with the part, it, the, the surf was so high, we couldn't get our tender back to the boat. It was 10, 15 foot waves. And so we went back to the boat on his ponga. And the next day he risked his life taking our tender on his ponga oh with goodness. the part okay. back to our boat. And, you know, we didn't have anything really to even give him. He was just so, everyone, the culture, if you just embrace it, mm -hmm. every port, the people we met, and that's what we remember. Yeah. We remember people we met on Cat Island in the Bahamas. In fact, we're going to DC tomorrow and we're going to have dinner with the folks that we met on the beach there in this deserted island. <laughs> oh, um, and so... Anyway, uh, Paul's giving me the go. So that was great. And then on this, on the second thing, um, more apart from the culture, embracing mother nature and the ocean and the animals in their natural habitat was like, we were in their world. Mm -hmm. And at one point we were about 500 miles offshore off the coast of Nicaragua and in the middle of the ocean, nothing in sight. And the entire, like, as far as you could see, thousands, maybe 10,000 spinner dolphins just all around us. Like the water was boiling. I saw and, that video with the dogs, right? On the bow. Uh, well, that was different. That was oh. just almost every day of them jumping. Okay. But that was <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, and so our captain stopped the boat. He's like, I'm going in. Okay. So this is just quintessential, our whole the, the, the climax of our trip, really our best day. But our, our captain said, I'm going to go in and swim with the dolphins. And I'm like, what? Like <laughs> we're in open waters, like 5,000 feet of water. <laughs> Are you kidding me? There's three of us on this boat and you're yeah. going to jump off. And that many too in there, you're probably thinking like, is it almost safe, you know, like to be like thrown right in the midst of all of this. Um, that's so cool. No, it's not safe. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. You're probably thinking like, we're going to lose our captain. We're going to be alone in the middle of the <laughs> 
So this was a moment in all of our lives where we where we're like, you know what? Like, we're going to do it. So I put on a face mask. Paul was on a conference call in the salon <laughs> and uh, I, I'm coming out with my, my snorkel and my face mask and I'm kind of shimmying through the little place where the desk was. And I'm like, Paul, you need to come. <laughs> and he'd never heard me say that. And he literally dropped the phone, put on a mask and we jumped in the water. Oh my gosh. In the open water, like nothing in sight. Yeah. And Paul and I, just with our snorkel mask um, and mask, dolphins above us, below us, it was just, it was just like magical. Yeah. It sounds and like life changing right, almost, yeah. right? Yeah. Right when we were in the water, uh, a blue whale surfaced probably 50 yards away from us. Oh my gosh. Okay. This was like the universe telling you, (laughs) we're going to throw as much as we can at you today. (laughs) So that's your best. I was going to actually ask your best day. I don't think you can top that. I'm not sure. Yeah. We couldn't even, you can't even make that up to put on a bucket list. No. And Uh, you can't almost describe it to people. It's one of those things that you really have to be in it to actually comprehend what it's like to be around that much. Yeah. Like wild, you know, you normally you're seeing them, you know, maybe a dolphin here or there or something like that, but to actually be a visitor in their world, it feels surreal. Yeah. That's one of the things, Rebecca, that we really uh, were surprised by was the amount of wildlife in the Pacific versus the Atlantic. Right. Um, Our captain was on a sailboat uh, between the Caribbean and Newport Beach, Rhode Island for about seven years before, um, being on our boat. And he continually said that we saw more wildlife in one day in the Pacific than he saw in seven years in the Atlantic, whether it was dolphins or whales or mobula rays or green turtles or fishing or sharks. It it was just absolutely astonishing the amount of wildlife that we saw. And, and, you know, we, we appreciated that so much. That's incredible. So if you, I'm going to put you on the spot because I do this with a lot of our guests and, you know, they can never pick one and you two having such, you know, heightened experiences, but can you both tell me off the top of your head, your best, you know, that's probably one of your best experiences, but like your best stop along the way, whether it's a country or a small little port, nobody's heard of, you know, uh, Heather, you go. And then Paul, you let me know what was your, your best place. I'm going to let Paul go first. Okay. Um, I think it might have been the um, either La Perla Islands, um, which are on the west coast of Panama, off of Panama City, and kind of uh, in between Panama and Colombia. And uh, there's, I think, 1,500 islands or something. And we went to the remote, most remote part, and then kind of came back to some of the more populated areas. But they were just absolutely gorgeous. Um, and Cohiba Island uh, is a big national park in Panama. And I, I think that was uh, absolutely phenomenal. And then the Bahamas, just for the beaches and the the clarity of the water. Mm. Uh, you don't get that gin clear water in many other places in the world. Just exactly. Yeah. Uh, so those would be at the top of the, the list for me. And then but, you know, I can, I can find uh, great things for Costa Rica <laughs> and Mexico. Uh, I wasn't a huge Mexico fan before this trip. And 
uh, Heather's really turned me and this trip has turned me and Mexico has just been uh, a fa fabulous experience. And yeah. And you had so much time there too, to really experience different elements of it, I'm sure. It, exactly. And they, you know, one, Heather mentioned safety, but I'll, I'll just make one other comment on that. So many Americans um, are so scared of Mexico because of all of the, the propaganda about mm -hmm. the, uh, the safety situation in Mexico. I feel more safe, both of us feel more safe anywhere we've gone in Mexico than we do here in downtown Seattle. Right. And, and it's just been, um, we've had a phenomenal experience and we've, we've felt that every single day we've been outside of the country. The first time we locked the boat is when we came back into the U.S. Wow. Isn't that telling, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Heather? <clears throat> Did you not want to tell it first? Because was that going to be one of yours or? <laughs> I didn't know. I was just thinking. <laughs> oh, nice to throw him under the bus. For right. right. <laughs> well, I was going to say the day we saw all those dolphins, but um, it, it's kind of cliche, but every, every part of our trip, um, we just embrace whatever day, whatever that would come that day. Right. Mm -hmm. As far as a day that stands out, I would say it was in Mexico and we went to a place called Cabo Pulmo, which is kind of between La Paz and, um, and San Jose de Cabo, right. Or is it above, above? anyway, uh, San Jose de Cabo. And so part of, um, my best day was we got to Cabo Pumo and I had gotten certified for diving in Coiba in Panama. And so that just opened up a whole new world for me. And we probably went diving 40, 50 times in different places. And probably one of my favorite ports was Cabo Pumo um, in Baja on the Sea of Cortez. And the first day we went out with a local and he was just phenomenal, just a small local outfit. And uh, he took us out and the minute we jumped in, we went down and there were probably 10 to 12 huge bull sharks, like, like a bigger mouth than a great white. Okay. And I was just like praying, please let me remember how to stand the ocean floor because I was relatively a new diver. Let me but, live to see one more dive. <laughs> yeah. And um, that was unbelievable. Wow. And more than just seeing that in that port and these people all in this dusty little surf town and diving town, we know them by name. We got in the back of their truck and went to dive sites. Uh, that's an example of us facing our fears. In the Bahamas, we were afraid to go, we weren't, we weren't afraid, but we were always kind of afraid to go into the water and it was crystal blue. There's no food for fish. Like there's no problem, right? Yeah, yeah. It, you're jumping in the Pacific. It's dark. You can't, you don't know where you're going and you're going down and seeing sharks and, and we loved it, right? There is this sense of peace that we have now about being one with nature and it, and it, and it just sounds kind of cheesy, but it was just, there's so much beauty in this world. If you just get out there and appreciate it. Yeah. And you know, things like that are cliche for a reason though, right? Like if you push past that comfort zone, like you're saying, if you didn't go in so many of the experiences you've even touched on now in a brief chat involve that exact thing, you know, not doing this, your friends telling you it's not safe. And what are you doing meeting this person you, you barely know? And, you know, without all of those moments of pushing through something, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. So it's actually a, a fantastic thing to do and to test yourself sometimes. Yep. Yeah. So you, 
while we're figuring out the next steps for you guys, uh, you mentioned on Instagram and things like that, let people know where to find you. If they don't follow you already, I'm sure they're going to be hitting that follow button immediately. So let, let us know where to find you guys. Right. Um, we, you can find us on Instagram and at working remotely, remote L Y. Uh, perfect. And you guys have been covered in a few articles, so I'll make sure um, when we share it, we can share a little bit more about your story, if that's all right. Wonderful. And we totally agree with what you were just saying, uh, Rebecca. I mean, that's why we named the boat Gratitude. Oh, yes. Beautiful. I did read that. It was lovely. So you did change the name when you picked it up. It, I hope it wasn't something awful, but <laughs> it makes much more sense now. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of uh, really bad boat names out there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it would be a different you, story if you kept the other name. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, I, and it wasn't. It wasn't as bad as some of the fishing boats we we've seen. But right. Um, uh, no, okay. we really do. Feel so much gratitude. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Well, I really appreciate you taking some time to chat with us. I know you're flying out again tomorrow, so you're in the middle of unpacking and laundry and repacking. <laughs> but yeah. I, uh, I really appreciate you both sitting down to chat. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Really appreciate it. Nice to meet you. Nice Thank to meet you, you as well. so much. And we're always open for, for questions if people have questions or want to learn more. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll send them over to your Instagram. Thank you again. Cool. Thanks, Rebecca. Have Thanks, a great Rebecca. day. You too. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to See the World Differently. Until next time, keep daydreaming. <laughs>